Hello and welcome to Blue Royalty, a Londoners Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jessie Parker Humphreys, joined today by Abdullah Abdullah and Blair Newman. Blair, how's it going? Really good, yeah, really good to join you guys again. Thanks for coming on the show. Today's episode, we're, we're doing something a little bit different. Again, a little bit different is the theme of Blue Royalty over this winter break. Um, today we're going to do, I don't know whether to describe it as like, a scousing episode or like a wish list episode but basically we know that there are tons of talented players in the world and obviously we would like all of them to wear a Chelsea shirt at some point so we're going to be looking at some of our individual shopping lists aren't we Abdullah? Oh yeah yeah for sure I mean I think this is that one episode where it's you, you get to you get to really go in and, and play manager for five minutes and just be like no I really think we should be signing this player and then you know we all give our own takes and it's, it's probably my favorite episode, I think. It's going to be my favorite episode so far. So, I mean, I, I love this stuff. So, yeah, for me, it's great. Yeah, I think we're going to have some interesting different approaches. I feel like I've just gone with, oh, I like that player and they're young. <laughs> um, and then Abdullah's like gone for, a, and I think Blair's done similar, more like this is what Chelsea actually needs. So maybe Emma <laughs> Hayes, if you're listening, you should listen to their choices if you're like serious about this but if you want to bring in some vibes players i've i've got i've got you sorted so <laughs> um but without further ado we may as well get get stuck in so we're gonna pick each a goalkeeper a defender a midfielder and a forward we're just gonna try and have a little chat about each of these players, what they could bring to the club, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and hopefully just give you guys an idea on players it's worth, you know, keeping an eye on. This isn't like a transfer episode. We don't believe Chelsea have any intention of signing any of these players, um, but maybe they will by the time they've listened to us talk about them. So let's get going with goalkeepers. Abdullah, let's let's start off with uh, with your pick first. Okay, so as you know, I had a few choices in mind, and probably I think for all of us, this was probably the most difficult position to cover because you're like, you've got AKB and you've got the up-and-coming Mustovic in there, so how do you go and pick a goalkeeper? Do you go and pick a goalkeeper on the assumption that AKB is done in like three, four years and then you bring someone to bring her in, or do you bring someone in right now to challenge them both? I think I went for the latter, and I decided to go and get Barbara Votikova from PSG. Now, I know she's injured, and this may be a theme for the rest of the episode, but bear with me here. Um, Abdullah loves an injured player, is what you'll learn <laughs> from this episode. Oh, God, yeah. Um, and while we've seen her... You see, she came into PSG, obviously, a couple of seasons ago, supposed to be number one, you know, and there was, and, and it was a couple of, it was an injury crisis, she came in, and I thought she did, I thought she did decently well, right? I thought, I thought she, she was, she was, uh, she's not like, she's got a good mix of being decent on the ball, but not the best, doesn't have the best shot stopping, but is good, you know, but is pretty good at it, and, and, and command of the area from crosses and aerial stuff, again, not the greatest, but can do a job. So one of the reasons I wanted to pick Votikova was like, all right, so she's 26. So in goalkeeping's terms, she's still she's still young. She's got, you know, at least a good 10 years left, right? Now, and I think 
playing at PSG, considering they have about 60 goalkeepers on their bench at any given time, um, you, you know, maybe game time isn't really something that they can they can guarantee. You know, she may be playing a certain amount of games, but then you have always someone coming in. Obviously, Bahadi's there now, probably going to be there for another season, you know, after this. So you're not going to get much game time. Um, but I think if, if she wants to develop as a goalkeeper, and I'm not saying she will get 100% of the minutes at Chelsea, but if she wants to develop, I think playing under uh, and, and with... Uh, AKB, goalkeeping coach, and Zizir Musevic, I think she would just automatically raise her level just in training alone, right? And I feel like there's a very good chance for her to compete with Musevic and maybe pip her for like a number two and then rotate into that number one position because I feel like while PSG is a good club, I think she'll be peppered and be tested a little bit more playing at Chelsea um, considering teams have been able to get at Chelsea, you know, in the past season and, 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 you know, goalkeepers do get tested. We've seen AKB bail, you know, bail, bail Chelsea out a few times. So I think, I think with Votikova, it's all about the learning, the development. You have someone who's not completely inexperienced, but sort of experienced as well. Solid player. Isn't great. Isn't, isn't too bad right now. Can improve. And I just, I just, I think I like her. I just, I just like her as an overall goalkeeper from just that aspect. You know, that's probably my reasoning behind this. There's nothing special. I'm not really giving you anything, you know, like you have to sign this player. But, you know, that's just kind of my thinking behind it. Yeah, I think I think Votikov is definitely an interesting shout. Obviously, the injury, it does become a bit of a question mark. You never know how someone's going to kind of come back from that. And I think that it happened for her at a really bad time because I think she was performing really well for PSG at that point. And, and like you said, 26 isn't old for, for a goalkeeper at all um and i think akb is also a player who has shown for example how much more you can improve kind of from nowhere at that age um blair you've gone in a a slightly different direction you and me have both picked young goalkeepers who have you gone for i've gone for hannah hampton of aston villa um i think she's had a strange sort of year because i think this time last year um if you'd asked me about hannah hampton i'd probably say she was going to be like england's number one by now and established as like one of the WSL's best goalkeepers because I've always been on that like hype train, the Hannah Hansen hype train. Um, but I think her reflexes have kind of come into under scrutiny. I think I would say over the last year, I think she's she's had some problems with just making saves, like fundamental goalkeeping. But the reason I mentioned her here is because her distribution is so so good. But I think her her passing range is pretty unique. And I also think her accuracy is, is pretty unique and she can play like she can she can she can receive the ball as well in a way that a lot of goalkeepers just won't be comfortable receiving the ball. So I think it's like she this as a as like a modern like a, a modern goalkeeper, this is like a like a sweeper keeper type of thing. I think she's pretty good. And if Chelsea wanted to get a goalkeeper who would like supercharge their build-up play and give them more, more options, because like Berger is quite good with the ball as well, but she does make some mistakes passing out from the back, I think. Um, so yeah, I, I like her uh, distribution a lot, and I also quite like, and I've also quite, I've always quite liked her command of her area. Like she will come out and try and claim the ball and, and take pressure off the defenders. She doesn't always get it, but she's actually willing and like brave enough to come off a line. So that you're not just having to make like ten headers in a row to clear the, the ball when it comes in. So I like distribution, command of her area. Just needs to work on her reflexes. And also, I don't know what's happened at Villa this season. Maybe you guys will know. But she was out of the team for a little while, and I don't really know what what the story was. Yeah. Uh, so I think that 
the Hannah Hampton question forever will be these these attitude problems, right? And it's tough because from a footballing perspective, I well, I think she's a player who very much has good games and bad games, which is maybe to be expected when you're 22 years old. Um, I agree. I think her distribution is very, very impressive. But for me, the some of the stuff that's been said about her as a member of the dressing room is something that I would be extremely wary of. And I imagine Chelsea would be too. And it's a real shame because you don't want to write off a player of her quality just because of that kind of thing happening. And, you know, before we came on air... We were talking about that DAZN clip where Hayes basically <laughs> tells everyone to, you know, like, fuck off and shut up and get their act together. And maybe that's what she needs. Um, I don't know. I don't always get the impression Carla Ward is the greatest control of that dressing room anyway. Um, but, yeah, that's it's a bit of a, a tricky one there, I think. Um, I've also gone for a young goalkeeper. I've gone for Olivia Lukasova, who, I guess, funnily enough, has maybe done well because of Barbara Votikova's injury, because she's also Czech, um, currently playing at Slavia Prague, um, but has been really impressive, I think, both internationally for the Czech Republic, where she's kind of been first choice due to Votikova's injury, and, and in the, the Champions League. She had the best post-shot XG over performance of any goalkeeper in the group stages, which I know is like a ridiculously small sample size, but she's a very good shot stopper. You can see it when she's played for the Czech Republic as well. Um, you know, people might have watched her in the nil-nil draw against England, where England weren't at their free-flowing attacking best, but I think she showed lots of the good aspects of her game, which for a 21-year-old, I think what's really exciting about her is her decision-making. Not only is she a good shot-stopper, shot but you see her, you know, when she has 1v1s, she comes but doesn't come too far and that kind of thing like she's good at closing down angles and that's the kind of thing which I feel like naturally is a great place for a goalkeeper to be in in terms of how they look to develop I think she's still quite nervous when she kind of comes for the ball and all of that stuff like with dealing in the penalty air in the air and I'm not sure really how good she is with her feet but she's obviously very raw but I think to be kind of playing consistently at international level and in the Champions League is a really good place for her to be in as a goalkeeper and is also maybe a player who would be willing to to spend some time as a number two if you are thinking about, you know, her interact with AKB, but has the potential to be your goalkeeper for the next then decades or so. Um, so I think she'll be a really interesting one to keep an eye on. There's lots of... I, I think the thing that's hard with young goalkeepers, maybe this is why Votikova was the best pick, Abdullah, um is that it just feels like the variance from season to season can be so crazy. Like, Blair, obviously you're talking about Hannah Hampton. I feel like Ellie Roebuck is someone who similarly, two seasons ago, I was like, this girl is going to be the best goalkeeper in the world. Like, no. And ever since she's come back from that injury, right? Like, it's, it's she's not been at the same level. She looks much more nervous. And Abdullah, like, I, I don't know how... How do you think about assessing goalkeepers? Because it feels like their variance can be much, much bigger than other positions. Yeah, you're right. Because I, I, th I think especially with a goalkeeper more than any other position, the minute they're, they're out, whether it's an injury or some sort of extended period, they just lose momentum. I think the keeper is probably one of the places where you have the most momentum because you 
build that chemistry not just with one player. You're building it with four in front of you, sometimes five, right? Depending on whether you're playing three or four at the back. And I think having that trust with your with with your back four, I think, is important. That's one. Once you have that trust and confidence in the in the, in the players in yourself, having it in the players in front of you is even more important. The amount of times that we've seen keepers who are not trusted by their fans and they and the keepers can feel it and so then they suddenly start making more mistakes they don't feel the same they don't feel like they can do it. it's such a confidence position that the minute a player and especially with young players losing confidence more easily than a more experienced pro i think that's probably where the, the variance really comes in and you know i i think it's you know for a young keeper it's you've just got to be playing consistently and you know if you make a couple mistakes whatever as long as you're you, you know, your the, the, this team around you is like, all right, fine. You know, your manager says you can make four mistakes. I don't care as long as you keep doing what I'm saying and you improve. It'll be fine. You know, we've we've seen it in, 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 in a few different cases. And I think but then and then that's why I wanted to go with someone who's a little bit older, because you at least then you reduce the chance of this variance because you're pretty much then set in. Like, all right. You're not really going to like this is probably your level. There's maybe a little bit of a jump that you can make. Right, but you're not really gonna jump maybe too high. Maybe, you know, there's a small chance, and you're not really gonna jump really low. Again, there's a small chance. So, um, yeah, it's a position that I think is just totally based, uh, you know, like 80% based on confidence, and then the other 20% is the technical stuff that I think all these keepers are working on week in, week out. You know, in every training session. So, um, yeah, I think it, I think it's it's definitely a position that's that's tough, and and like we said, I think for all of us, it was the toughest position to to pick, not just in terms of the players already there, but just how do you assess a goalkeeper for a club, um, you know, when when in any way, you know, it's it's just difficult to assess this position more than anything anywhere anywhere else. All right, well that wraps up our goalkeeping element of of the episode we're going to take a quick ad break when we come back we will look at defenders did you hear that a Lionel messi trading card recently sold for over five hundred thousand dollars on golden auctions golden is the leading and most trusted destination for some of the most significant pieces of sports and pop culture collectibles and better yet it's not just for high ticket items Golden's new always-on marketplace and weekly auctions start at just $5. That means collectors of all kinds can enjoy the same quality, convenience, and seamless user experience that Golden is known for. Whether you are looking to buy, sell, grade, or vault, Golden has something for everyone. It's your one-stop shop destination for the love of collecting. Looking to buy a collectible? Good idea. While the S&P 500 fell by an average of nearly 20%, collectibles like trading cards actually increased in value. Looking to sell a collectible? Now is the time to do it. Golden is offering all sellers up to 50% off marketplace fees before February 17th. Head over to golden.co to get started. That's G-O-L-D-I-N dot C-O to get started. Thank you to our sponsors for supporting the show. Um, our usual announcements, we've got cool merch, we've got a cool newsletter. You can find out all about that over on our Twitter, our London Blue Pod. Uh, the guys are also doing a tour from America. So if you're looking at getting involved with XL Tours, I don't know how long really there is left to, to sign up for that. Um, but I think it's going to be a really exciting trip over to the to the UK, to, to London, to watch Chelsea. Um, so yeah, definitely if you're in America and looking to make that trip, definitely see what the guys are up to. 
So looking at defenders, I think what's interesting here is I, when I spoke to the guys about what we we're going to do, I just said pick a defender, basically. And we have all picked left backs, which I think maybe says something about what how we view Chelsea's defence right now, uh, maybe where we think the weaknesses are. Uh, Blair, I'll, I'll start with you on this one. What, why did you pick a left back and why did you pick the player you've picked? But this feels like Chelsea don't have like a proper Chelsea level left back at the moment. I don't know what, what you guys, I mean, you guys would probably know more about it than I do. But I, I think um, Abdulina was obviously brought in a left back and she hasn't really been seen since. I don't know if she's still in Chelsea. <laughs> Is she still there? Is she still fit? I don't know. Uh, Alice, let us know if you're okay. Um, <laughs> And then, like, Neve Charles has played there a bit, hasn't she? And um, Ericsson's played there a bit. And uh, Ryan's sort of played left wing back at times. But none of these players... I mean, Neve Charles I really like, actually. But I don't think she's going to be playing... Well, I don't think she should be playing left back. Um, <clears throat> Ericsson, obviously, is a, is a good player as well. But she's the centre-half for me. And Ryan is a winger for an attacking midfielder. So I think that Chelsea need a left back. And... If they're going to sign one, they might as well sign like a really good, naturally left-footed um, left-back. And so I've gone for Sikina Karshawi, um, who is France's number one, or certainly in competition with, with Salma Basha, um, at left-back. Karim uh, Diakra preferred her for the Euros. Um, she's very good dribbler. She can dribble on both feet, actually, which is something that's quite unique, is she can dribble using her right or her left foot inside or outside of the boot and it's something that allows her to come inside and dribble inside the field not just go around the outside um she's got like a, a good change of pace she's quite explosive and she's got a really powerful shot um a decent cross like she provides quality in the final third so i think she's a really good attacking left back her defending is is a question mark i think she's a 50 50 defender either she's wins the tackle or she gets burned there's kind of no um medium there but I think as an attacking left-back, she's really, really good. And I think Chelsea could, could do with one. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's definitely fair enough. And, and Karchawi is obviously a player Chelsea have been linked with in the past. Um, you know, I think there was a potential for a move there a couple of seasons which ago, which sort of fell through among her talks with PSG at the time. Um, Abdullah, I know she's a player you like. She's a player you, you thought about picking um for for this section but you went with a, a different left back <laughs> who's uh, also injured so as part of your injuries just making Chelsea injuries FC who did you go for so part of my injury FC is now I I picked I picked I picked Julia Gwynn from Bayern Munich I wanted to go for a bit more of a left field left back so obviously Julia isn't exactly a um isn't exactly a nominal left back as as you would put it in 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 the, in the traditional sense. But what I've really enjoyed about Julia Gwynn pre injury was she is very much a roaming left back. Is what I'm going to call it. A, a positional rotation machine. Uh, basically, other than her starting position, is not at left back. Now let me explain. At Bayern Munich last season when she was playing. Um, she very much started and played this false fullback role on the left-hand side, which basically meant that she would start there and she would control that left-hand flank. But when defensively, she'd control the left-hand side. But when as she got more aggressive and got into the final third in the middle, 
she would more aggressively start running inside and going towards the box, almost acting as like an extra fourth, fifth defender. So when you think about the, you know, the the usual two, three, five in you know in possession attacking structure that a lot of teams use when they when they when they play, so instead of having the fifth player, the two wing backs, the full backs really wide. In this case, you have the fullback coming inside and almost playing in the half space, acting as like a very like a, almost like a second or third striker inside. And given the fact that Chelsea have someone like Guru Wright and also they've got Canard who can play, they've got Neve Charles, and they've got these players who are very comfortable occupying uh, spaces both in the half space and in the wide areas, and that, that especially in Guru Wright's case, she can do both. When you have someone like Gwyn, the unpredictability and the combination that those two can bring together, to me, is just like, it's it's mind-blowing. I, I really feel like you can have a presence on the left-hand side where she's got the pace to track back, but going forward, she can interchange with Gura Wright. And, and the thing about this Chelsea team is a lot of the attacking players positionally rotate their positions. Sometimes you'll see Hard as a striker, Sam Kerr dropping into midfield, Gura Wright going into the box, you know, Kirby coming in off the right. And all these players are rotating. And I think for Julia Gwynn fits into that mold of being able to be comfortable in two, three different positions. So, and at the same time, it allows maybe then your back four to be to be converted into maybe having like Eve Perisay playing a little bit more defensive. If you're going to play her, there's a right back or Jess Carter, right? Um, if you obviously if you want to go ultra attacking, you can play Neve Char- you can play Neve Charles there as well. But just to kind of keep that balance, you can keep Julia as your like tactical attacking weapon off the left and still have an Eve Perisay who can then come inside or act as a third defender in the in a, in a, in a pseudo back three and kind of play from there. So that's my my thing behind the Julia Gwynn pick. You're not worried about the, the injuries because it's I, a lot of injuries. <laughs> it's a lot of injuries. I agree. I agree. But she is young. I'm giving age a chance here and I'm thinking that hopefully if she can stay injury free for a couple of seasons for even a season and just kind of ease her way in she's got enough time on her side you know being the age that she is to be she's 23 like she she's still not even in her prime and she's already showing these glimpses yeah obviously it depends on how good she is when she comes back from the from the injury but if she can like she did last time then I have no doubt that it's 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 a gamble worth taking on 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 Julia Gwynn. Yeah, very talented player. I think someone who would maybe be hard to prize out of Bayern Munich, but um, definitely no doubt of her quality. Um, I also went for a left back. I also went for a player Abdullah wanted to pick too. Abdullah loves left backs clearly. Um, I went with Olga Carmona. Obviously, a player that Chelsea fans will be familiar with, given that we've played Real Madrid twice. Obviously, England also played against her the Euros and I kind of think Real Madrid are a silly club so I feel like she's a player who it might be not so hard to price her away from it at some point um she obviously kind of usurped Leila Wahabi at the Euros deservedly so and and I think during that quarterfinal against England kept Beth Mead and Lucy Bronze very very quiet did a lot better than you know a number of other left backs kind of did in that role um it's just She's kind of weird at Real Madrid right now because, like, they insist on playing her further forward so they can play Sophie Svava at left back for, like, reasons I just don't understand. I think long term her future is as a fullback, but I think obviously for a club like Chelsea, it's cool to be able to see a player, like, can go forward. And I think defensively, she is pretty good. Um, I think even if you look at in those Chelsea games where. 
they started off with Olga left back and then swapped for Svava and it was like the the amount of space Chelsea were able to get out on that side kind of like showed how much Olga was doing. Um, I think the only thing is there's kind of question marks around her production. Um, I had to use Wisecout data. This Liga F data is a nightmare. So Wisecout data has her as get having four goals and nine assists in sixty five games in Liga F. She's played way more games than that, I think. Um, but I who knows? I either way, it, she's not scoring and assisting a lot. She's got two <laughs> assists this season, um, which. But I don't, as I say, I don't know if it really matters because yes, she's being played at left wing, and you if it was a left winger you were looking at, you'd want them to be scoring and assisting more than that. But I don't think she should play at left wing. So, but maybe you still want your left back to do even even more than that. Um, I don't know. That would be a question mark for me. But I think uh, in terms of kind of all-round ability, she's very, very talented. And I think in the kind of coming years will definitely be seen as one of the the best fullbacks in the world. Um, I know all three of us are interested in all three of these players. Um if if we could only have one, who who are we going for? I I would lean towards Kashawi. Not for just any because other... of experience and experience. She's been linked with the club before, so that I think that should come into thinking that they're thinking along the lines of what they're getting from her. And um, I I think I think she's she's got that blend of like 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 Blair said like not the best tackler in the world, but. I feel like she's improved so much positionally that I think that would help. And in a team like Chelsea, that you majority be playing a possession-based game, um, you know, you don't have to worry too much about it. Especially when on the on the other side, you've got someone like Eve Perise or Jess Carter, who is going to be a little bit more defensively inclined, better, you know, in, in the defending. So you can always route the attacks through the left-hand side anyway. And so you're not worried too much as long as she's got the pace and the positional intelligence to get back. For me, that's where it makes sense. But at the same time, I just Olga's vibes. I just I would just love the chaos of Olga on the left hand side. You know, just bombing up and down, um, just just bringing just bringing the chaos to the team when it's needed. Throwing the kitchen sink, Olga and Guru on the same side. I mean, that's 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 some fire right there. Blair, what do you think? You're sticking sticking with Sakina, or has your head been turned by Julia or Olga? <laughs> I've got to stick with Kershawi, but I like Olga a lot. I do, and I like Gwen when she's when she's fit. Abdullah, I mean, you know. yeah. but but I like Olga. Um, she's she's solid defensively as well. I noted that when I watched her play, and she can go forward and and stuff. And I watched her play against the USA for Spain recently. She just like skinned Hayley Mace about eight times. It was really funny because Hayley Mace was just charging at her, and Olga would just put around and run around her. It was really funny, but. Um, yeah, I like her a lot, but I'll stick with Kashawi. All right, fair enough. Um, let's let's go on to, to midfielders now. I'll, I'll kick off with this one. Um, I have picked out uh, Irena Santi, who's a 23-year-old defensive midfielder with emphasis on the word defensive, uh, who currently plays for Inter Milan. Um, I think probably of all the players I've picked, maybe like the rawest and the one that would be the biggest jump. I think realistically I could see Santi doing well in the future, but there's probably an intermediate move that needs to happen somewhere. Um, And I think also it depends on what kind of Chelsea's vision of the future of their midfield is. Obviously in the past, 
we've kind of seen Chelsea attracted maybe more towards the kind of playmaker midfield elements, which makes sense given the amount of possession Chelsea just naturally have because of their technical ability compared to most teams. But I think the kind of rise of Lena Oberdorf and the way people have seen what she's offered to Wolfsburg has kind of turned people's heads again towards what maybe a midfielder who is more defensively focused can offer your team in terms of freeing up, you know, your eights, your tens, the rest of your midfield to push forward and and for that player to cover the space. Um, I didn't allow anyone to pick Oberdorf for this because it's just too obvious. Like, everyone would want to sign Lena Oberdorf. It's a no-brainer. For me, Santi's, like, maybe, like, one of the closest players right now. Um, Lots of tackles, lots of interceptions. Um... Looks really good in a defensive sense. I, she's not a great passer of the ball. And I think, you know, when you're talking about an Oberdorf, that's actually an element of her game, which is kind of underrated. Like, not only does she make those defensive interventions, she's then very, like, neat and tidy with what she does with the ball next. I don't think Santi's there yet. And that's why I feel like, realistically, this isn't, like, this wouldn't be a straightforward move. This would be something that, that would need in between. But I definitely think it's a profile of player who... it's worth Chelsea thinking about because I feel like a fair criticism of Emma Hayes is that she loves attacking players and she loves to attack. And lots of the very best Chelsea teams have said, fuck it with being defensive, like in favour of just like going forward. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but I think if that's the case and maybe we say one of Hayes' weaknesses is around how well she can organise a midfield to give a team that kind of balance maybe it's worth then looking for a player who you lose something with how they progress the ball, but like what you gain is gives the freedom to those players to to play in a more advanced role. Um, and I think this is the kind of player who could, could offer that, but potentially um, one to watch for the future. Uh, Abdullah, who have you gone for? Ah, okay. So obviously we were discussing a couple of options, but I, I think I'm got a German theme going on here in this, in this, in this middle of the, of the thing. Um, Luckily, not a player not injured anymore. A fit player. So that's that's <laughs> positive to start with. Um, I've picked Sydney Lohman from Bayern Munich once again. Um, I I think just goes without saying, I think Sydney is one of the best young players in the world right now. I think I think now that she's finally gotten some minutes under her belt, I think she's, she's just getting better and better. Um, so my reasoning behind um, picking Sydney Lohman is... You can take it two ways. So on one scenario, I thought about it when it, on the on the chance, and I'm literally going to say this three times: a hypothetical situation if Panila Hada leaves in the summer. So people don't get at me. I don't want her to leave. I'm just saying if she leaves in the summer, right? Abdullah, why do you want Panila Hada to leave? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's the agenda. You know, it's a campaign. I don't know. Um, no, I I think if she were to leave. I would assume, in my mind, Frank Kirby would maybe come into play as that number 10 position, right, for now. And you would have somebody else on the right-hand side, whether it's Canarid or, or whoever. I would love to see Sydney Lomond playing as an 8, right? You can play her alongside Hard as a 2-8 and a 6, or you can play as a 10 and 2-8, two, two, 2 sixes. That's the thing about Lomond. She's versatile. She can play as an 8. She can play as a 6. She can even play on the wing and play as a false winger. I mean, we recently saw her play play that position almost against Barcelona where off the ball she was playing right right hand side but uh, sorry on the ball she was playing on the right but when it came to the pressing shape 
out of, out of possession, the, the way they were stifling Barcelona was her coming inside, playing as a second striker, and then playing like almost like a diamond pressing shape, right? It was almost like a V-shape. And to me, just being able to bring that sort of versatility off the ball, I think for me, almost counts more than what she does on the ball because she's got that intelligence in terms of being able to listen to instructions and be able to do this and, and execute it, right? And I, I think we know what Chelsea... Emma Hayes likes to press on the front. You've got Guru, you've got Sam who really runs in there. You know, and obviously you've got Fran and Panilla. But if you can free up Fran or Panilla, depending on who's playing in that position, and use Loman as this other off-the-ball pressing weapon, you then really get to use that extra player to kind of you know just do shadow runs in behind. So I think for me, off the ball, that's that's a really good reason to, to get Sydney Loman. And on the ball, I think she's just she's one of the best powerful attacking dribblers I've ever seen both on and off the ball I think in the Euros we saw that specifically whenever she came on the cameo that she had against France and I think against England in the final as well the minute she came on the game turned on its head Germany were on the attack every time she got on the ball pick it up release the ball out wide make a beeline for the box and every time she did that she was able to bounce people off her get in the box and get headers away so she's good in the box good with her head she can play off on the edge of the box and she can bully players off the ball. Getting that physicality in there in that midfield, I think just gives Chelsea another huge, huge bonus. So I like her versatility. I like her power. I like her physicality. And I think I think she's got really good intelligence. And, and you know what? If she can add a few goals to her game, unstoppable. Yeah, I definitely think um, she's an interesting player to, to keep an eye on. Obviously, Bayern have a lot of talented midfielders slash attackers like I feel like that's their favorite kind of position because I kind of would class Georgia Stanway in that role as well like players who can be quite versatile but that being said it'll be really interesting to see how Lohman develops within that team because I definitely wouldn't say she's a starter for Bayern right now but they are willing to rotate a lot and so I don't necessarily know if her she would feel like her minutes are affected but I wonder if you know, as she does come back from the injury, has as time goes on, whether she might, like, I don't know, like, when do you usurp Lena McGall? Like, are you going to usurp Georgia Stanway? Like, are you really going to nail down that starting position? Maybe, like, it will it will be a thing she thinks about um, moving on. Um, could be interesting to see. Blair, you have picked a player who I'm not going to pretend I have ever watched in my life. Um, <laughs> or if I have, I haven't realised I've watched her. Uh, tell us about your midfield pick. I've gone for a Basque midfielder called Irene... Um, well, Irene. I'm going to go Irene. Um, Irene Aguitza. <laughs> Um, I'm just going to stick to what I know. <laughs> that's, that's how I know how to pronounce. Um, and she plays for Athletic Club in the Spanish League. And I watched her play last season, and she really, really stood out to me. Like to a point where even when you watch her play for one or two games, you immediately have to pay attention to them again. And yeah, she's had a few injury problems, but so I'm kind of I don't know. Me and Abdullah, we could probably pick a pretty good crop to eleven between us, couldn't we, mate? But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when, when again when she's fit she is she is really good she's really tall she's kind of got the Jill Scott profile of um I'd say she's like six foot she's like unbelievably tall actually um and obviously good in the air strong um really good tackler just really difficult to get around because like even when players go around her she's just got such long legs that she can just like loop one around and and like tackle them um and she's also good on the ball uh 
to an extent where she that's probably the where she departs from someone like a Joel Scott when Joel Scott was around. I always thought Joel Scott was more of a runner, whereas Aguixa can sort of spread the play to the wings and she can pick a pass. So and she's quite composed on the ball. Um so I like her a lot. And uh, obviously injuries have, have stopped her from kicking on this season, but once she's back and, and fully fit, um and again she's quite young, I think she's in her early twenties. So once she's back fully fit, I, I think it's a matter of time before she gets into the the Spain team. Assuming Jorge Vilda is like picking a team with any form of logic or reason whatsoever. Well, he's lost a lot of players, so maybe that will give her an advantage. <laughs> <laughs> he's missing a few. Uh, yeah, it's actually her birthday today, so we'll say happy birthday, Arena. Um, yeah, definitely interesting. Someone I'm going to have to to keep an eye out when she she comes back fully fit because. Um, DMs are in, in short supply generally in, in world football and uh, it's it'll be interesting to see. I noticed she's already done her ACL in the past, so Perfect. it's just bad times. It's just a, it's just a classic <laughs> for a women's footballer though, isn't it? You're like, they're going to do or have done their ACL at some point. Maybe it's better to get it out of the way uh, sooner rather than later. Um, but we're t- going to take another quick ad break. When we come back, we will talk forwards. Okay, so the final scouting position... Um, Abdullah, do you want to kick off with your pick of forward first? I will do just that. So once again, another position where I had three or four choices, but I think I settled on one that I, I think I think Jesse, we, we both we both quite liked. It was a nice it was a nice niche pick that could could come true in the future. I went for Amayur Sariegi from Real Sociedad. I, I really felt like you know in, in a time when quality forwards are short on quality and and and, and you know there aren't enough and, and teams always looking and I think for some for a team like Chelsea who need to forward plan um, all things considered I think Sariegi is just one that's there that, 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 that I think a big team can and will take a chance on sooner rather than later and it could be Chelsea and I think for me what I like about uh, Sariegi is that while she is a central striker, which is something a position that anyway Chelsea are looking for, she can play on the right hand side, but and play as like an inside forward. So she's got a little bit of that versatility in there. Um, she's she's been kind of, she's been played in like a, both a four four two four 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 one four one position, um, four three three as well. So as long as she's playing, like, you know, really narrow, and it's almost like in a similar position to the way Frank Kirby has been played in the past when she's been played on the right, who's very narrow, like sit inside and kind of play off the shoulder but I and what I think I like about what I like about her is that she she's very good at switching positions again another one of those positional rotation players that can take up two different positions so I think with her it's obviously limited to probably the right wing and the central striker role but with the way Sam Kerr plays and then you know obviously thinking that now you could always even play her with Sam Kerr where with Sam Kerr dropping into midfield so much you can always bring her you know, in, into the, into that central striker spot, and I think with her, what I really like is that she's she's both got this um, right wing, uh, like she can she can take up the she can take up the position, right? But at the same time, she can also she can also crowd inside. She can take up the wide positions alone, and she's clinical. I think for me, she's she's just she just knows where the ball is. She knows where the goal is. She knows her position in the box, and I think being able to understand you know where the where where you are in the box and 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 where the ball is going to come i think is unbelievable i mean this season alone they've played she's had 12 games 10 starts right 823 minutes and she's already scored seven goals and had one assist um you know at a at an xg of 5.9 
uh, and a non-penalty XG of 5.1. So in scoring, she's already outdoing her XG this season, right? And I think last season she scored, uh, I think, over 17, 18 goals. So, I mean, this is a player in La Liga who's able to... Sorry, Liga F, rather, sorry. Um, Score goals, knows where it is. Again, another positionally intelligent player... And I think obviously is also one is also one for I think for the future you can you could even let her come in and um, you know really take her time being twenty you know twenty I think she's what twenty two year twenty one years old right now so there's a lot of time left uh, on her and she can even come in settle in and you know I I would even be keen to see her alongside like a Lauren James right Lauren James likes to play on that right hand side can come inside as well and then those two together almost like in a four four two would be a very interesting combination considering they're both really, really good on the ball. So, yeah, I, I, I really like uh, Sariegi. Yeah, I think uh, Amayor is a really, really exciting player. She is someone who is obviously part of that La Real team under Natalie Arroyo with Niria as well, who are a really exciting young team. I think you saw, I mean... There's plenty of Jorge Vilda slander in my in my brain, but you know I think when she came on against England in in that quarter final, you immediately saw kind of what her physicality could offer up front compared to Esther. I know Esther scored in that game, but like is Esther, um, and yeah, I think she's a really exciting player. I wonder if it will be interesting to see if. Barcelona snap her up because I kind of think they've got JC. Ferreira, but I don't know. There's maybe I still wonder if there's there's another centre forward they'd like to get there, and I think Sariegi could fit that bill well. Um, they obviously signed Nuria from La Real, so they've got kind of good good dealings there. But um, she's definitely an exciting player and one to keep an eye on in the future. Um, I went. This is my ACL injury player. <laughs> um, we all had to pick one. Uh, she has come back from her her ACL, but uh, I've gone with Paulina Krambiegel, who plays for Hoffenheim, who, as some people will know, are my German soft spot team. Um, she's a player who, I mean, she's had a tough time of it. She did her ACL, and I feel like when she did her ACL, her and Eula Brown were playing in that Hoffenheim team together, and they were kind of making their first appearances for Germany at the same time, and to me, and I think generally she felt as good as, if not maybe even a bit more advanced than Eula Brand was. She obviously is slightly older. Um, but obviously their paths have kind of significantly diverged since then with Brand staying fit and, and really becoming like the attacking focal point of that Hoffenheim team, getting the move to Wolfsburg, etc. And Crumbiebegel's kind of come back into a Hoffenheim team that is... I don't want to say at a crossroads because I think Hoffenheim's plan has always been to kind of get young talent and then then move it on. But they've just sacked their manager. The tactical plan there has been very strange and she's struggled to find her role, I think, in the team since she's come back from that injury because they also signed Julia Hickelsberger-Fuller, who um, they've been playing at, at right wing and... Crumbiegel used to predominantly play on the left, at left wing, but obviously Eula Brand also plays there, so that was kind of a weird complication. But they've basically been using her at right back, and it makes, like, zero sense. Like that's, So it's kind of hard for me to judge, like, what her level is since she's got back from her ACL. But in the season before she got injured, when she was 19, she had two goals and five assists in 1090s in the Frauen Bundesliga, which, like, isn't bad going as a 19-year-old, I think. Um, I think she 
definitely fits the kind of Chelsea mold of attacker of, you know, like a wide player who's very versatile, capable of playing in multiple positions, very intelligent. And I think this is why she's kind of been shunted around the pitch for Hoffenheim because she is so clever that they're like, it's a bit like the George Stanway at Manchester City thing that you're like, this is just a player who will have a good level, like regardless of of um, where they play. Um, I think definitely will be interesting to see as she kind of returns to the German national team um, and under a new manager at Hoffenheim what what she looks like there. And so the final pick we've got is is yours, Blair. Um, who have you chosen as a, as a potential forward for Chelsea to keep an eye on? I've gone for a player at Paris FC called Mathilde Bourdieu, who is um, a striker <laughs> that Abdullah also likes, um, yeah, and she's she's. Again, a player that caught that caught my eye last season and um, scored a few goals, but had a few. Um, she was just coming back from an injury at the start of last season. Uh, this season, she's had a clear run at it, and she's been in really good form. I think she's scored like seven goals or something. So I think she's the like the second highest scorer in the league behind um, Diani. I think. Um, so she's in she's in good form. She just got called up to the France squad. Uh, stylistically, she's like a. She she she's always reminded me of Beth England actually, which is partly why I've I've mentioned her now because obviously England's just moved on and Chelsea will be looking for a striker that will come in, but not like we'll, we'll be happy to rotate in with Sam Kerr rather than be a starter because realistically there's not many strikers or any strikers that are better than Sam Kerr that Chelsea can actually sign. So I think the striker that Chelsea's sign needs to be comfortable being on the bench every now and then. Um, probably needs to be a young player that will that will be happy taking on that role and will will develop. And I think Bridget could do that. And she's she's very strong for her height. She doesn't look like she would be that strong, but I've seen her um, give a lot of problems to players like Renard and even Kadisha Buchanan. When, um, so she's she's strong. She can back in and she can hold the ball up really well. She's also quick. She can run behind. Um, and yeah, she's she's got a decent, powerful right-footed shot. So I think she's um, one that's on the up. Um, she hasn't been capped by France yet, but I think it's a matter of time. I think she's exactly the sort of striker that their manager likes. And so, yeah, she's the she's the striker I would go with. I think she'd be a good Beth England replacement. Yeah, definitely. I think someone else who could be a really interesting option, as, as you say, Blair, you know, Chelsea need a player, I think, right now. He's going to be willing to to sit on the bench a bit, to, like, take take the opportunities where they come. And I feel like this would be a worthy move for a player like Bourdieu who who would maybe be happy to to take the cut in minutes on on the basis that it might also give her the opportunity to shine. And as we've said before, you know, Sam Kerr's not going to play forever. So you would think in a couple of seasons' time there might be a, uh, a bigger opportunity there. Um, but that about wraps up our kind of little scouting look at everything um if there's anyone you guys think we should be looking at give us a shout who who do you think chelsea should be keeping an eye on over the next six months to a year and we'd love to hear what you think um some good news that happened before while we were recording which i'll just throw in is that chelsea have posted a lovely photo of melanie loipots looking very smiley as she heads off to the spanish um warm weather training camp so hopefully that bodes well for her return to full fitness and and the squad um i think it would be very emma hayes to uh throw loipolz back in as a bit of a surprise against arsenal but we will obviously see uh depending on on where she is on on getting that fitness back um 
coming up over the next kind of week or so. We're going to do an ep next week where we look at some of our rivals. Then we'll do an Arsenal preview. And then, look, we'll be back into it. Arsenal away on Sunday the 15th of January. If you're around and you haven't got tickets yet, um, definitely get uh, get some of those. Chelsea away and sold out. Um, 35,000 tickets sold. But I think it's going to be an amazing day. And we need to avenge our Emirates uh, result from last season. Um, and hopefully we will. And then we have to play Liverpool twice and Tottenham twice uh, in, in the next kind of four fixtures. So that will be an interesting one too. Um, but for now... Blair, thank you very much for joining us. Um, where can people find you? What are you working on at the moment? Show yourself off, please, for the end of this episode. Well, they can find me on Twitter at the Second Ball, and I'm looking for Equaliser Soccer. So a lot of my stuff's on there. I've got my own blog as well, uh, Scout Players and Teams in Women's Football. So if people want to check that out, WalsallScout.com. Um, so yeah, and uh, feel free to shout them on Twitter if you want to. So. <laughs> what an invitation. Um, Abdullah, thank you as always. Uh, I will thank be back you. to chat with you next week, I'm sure. But until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.